there are stories that we can write and we can push boundaries of like what people are able to do in representation in the entertainment industry in books in whatever but like you can push those boundaries without necessarily having to write from their perspectives Mm -hmm. um and you can just like have written harry potter to be like a black trans man and then just like get rid of some of the white supremacy in there um (laughs) bad example oh that whole series but like you can just like write stories that exist on the page that come from your perspective whether it's as like a white person a cis person an able-bodied person like whatever your privilege is you're writing from that perspective i've done it when i write as well like i wrote a story and i was going i was like thinking of casting down the line and i did realize that i was like oh no this protagonist is white like i specific to like my it's largely based on myself and like my relationship with my hair and like my like unwillingness to wear wigs in public and things and i was like oh that's a very different conversation for like black and latinx folks and like and i was like oh this for multiple reasons this character is specifically white but that doesn't mean that's a bad story or a story not worth telling and it also made me intentional with realizing that like the other characters were then people of color um and that like they weren't there to like be like listen white person i'm gonna teach you what it means to be a person in this world like not like perpetuating the like tropes of marginalized folks having to educate the privileged um but just like being intentional with like this protagonist needs to be white in order for this story to make sense that's how this works like that's like what this story is looking like the story is still worth telling but it's not an exclusively white story like there can be people of color around for the story um and like for the thing to happen and for the story to get told and i think that's true across the board where like yeah if we're talking about like uh, telling a story of a woman who gets pregnant we're not going to have her be a trans woman a trans woman could play that woman depending on like how we're doing that and like like i couldn't play that woman probably um but like i probably could depending on (laughs) it would happen in theater not on tv i was gonna say like theater gives a little bit more uh it lends itself a little bit more to that idea of theatricality and like yeah right but like within the story we're not going to call that woman trans casting is a whole other conversation around it um but like within that story obviously that's going to be a a cis woman Mm -hmm. the story is going to be the story of a cis woman um if we're talking about like things that happen within our bodies and the way like people biologically respond to things then like there's certain people who are right for that Mm -hmm. likewise if we're like telling a story about like an olympic athlete they can't be in a wheelchair like you know like that's like just how that story has to be told um but then like being intentional for like folks who don't look like that person also being a part of that story um and then stories that don't rely on physical ability or on like the ways our bodies respond to certain things and like the things that our bodies can do then can be open to other identities and can be open to other ideas um and just because you have like a cute nerdy shy person doesn't mean that they have to be like a little white boy (laughs) you know like that can be anybody um the more that I'm honestly interested in just like writing scripts without really thinking about gender mm-hmm. and then just 
casting people in them or like writing things without having to worry about gender i know and potentially again probably not my story to tell um so i won't use specifics and names but i worked with a playwright recently who was writing a play from two different ways depending on how it got cast um that it was a, a couple and it was either a trans woman and a cis woman or was it yeah it was either a trans woman and a cis woman or a trans man and a cis man and so like wrote like most of the script was the same but occasionally it would break into two sides of the page that it was like if it's a trans man he says this if it's a trans woman she says this huh. um and like wrote it to be for multiple genders in a way that was like really exciting hmm. I think I'm right on the genders of the, but but like that idea that like it was kind of writing it devoid of gender with still being accountable for the fact that there were certain things that had to be said like flipped yeah. in different directions and stuff. But like, I'm really interested in more stories that are just like, these are people. Good luck figuring out which ones, or like have fun figuring out which ones, and like play around, like try it different ways, do it all different ways. That's what's really exciting to me in terms of gender specifically, because like that doesn't work across like all identities, because like yeah. then like cultural differences set in and things like that that like are more muddied. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm like really interested in just like having a character and then figuring out the gender if it's like a thing where you're having an actor play a role like figuring out gender based on who's right for the role or like who brings like the right energy into the room and having those conversations very interesting like i'm i'm very i'm fascinated by that like the the only other thing that i can think of particularly as a, a playwright uh one thing that i have noticed and that you, you might also see too is like because i really love that idea of like bringing it into the room and i'm i'm like right there with you breaking out the doors and saying like hey just because you wrote this character doesn't mean they can't be trans that's like part of that is that is part of my whole like uh writing for trans non-binary narratives class is like hey take this character now think that they're trans what's changed probably nothing maybe some things um but particularly when it comes to casting in theater specifically you get a lot of like you have to be very specific with certain things like oh okay well you didn't say what race they were so i just assumed that they were white right. it's like no like even though even if you're like no i left it open so that you could cast a lot of different people it's like ah so white people it's like no right. yeah i remember a friend was telling me recently recently this was like seven years ago probably mm. um but like was talking about a script that they like read in school and like one of the roles it said was open to any ethnicity mm -hmm. and the class was talking about like how wonderful and cool that was and my friend was like the maid says any ethnicity every other character doesn't have anything listed in terms of race or ethnicity mm -hmm. and they're assumed to be white yep. any ethnicity actually meant person of color there <laughs> and like the writer was like this should be a brown person everybody else is white mm -hmm. where it was like why can't they all be any ethnicity mm -hmm. like why can't it be a black family that has a white maid you know like why can't they like 
Well, and especially if it wasn't specified in the thing. Yep. Well, and, and we ran into this problem uh, years ago. I remember hearing a story about um, a, high, a performance arts high school that wanted to cast a trans student as Rizzo in Greece. Mm -hmm. And the rights holder said, nope. Mm -hmm. And because Rizzo's not trans. And it's like, well, it doesn't say anywhere that she's it's like, yeah, but that didn't exist then was the whole argument. So, but it's just like, yeah, no. So you like, and it sucks, but you have to be like very explicit with things nowadays because it is one of those things where it's like, well, people are going to try and hold you to things that aren't actually written down. Right. Mm -hmm. Which Rizzo is the conversation that I was having because like she gets pregnant and things. Mm -hmm. um, but also like, I think I'd be a badass Rizzo. Yeah. Um, and like, why not? Because also like, I don't actually think that women playing Rizzo are pregnant right now. No. <laughs> That's not how theater works. Like, what? Are you telling me that every person that is pregnant in a play is not pregnant in real life? Also, like, the entire Shakespeare canon. Um, <laughs> men were playing all of those roles and, like, whatever, you got the stories. Um, but, like, that conversation... Maybe, are you saying men aren't playing all the roles now in theater? No, Scarlett Johansson is. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. But, like, that's the conversation that, like, that is a legitimate reason for people to be like, oh, this person can't play that role. Mm -hmm. But also, what the word legitimate there is also up for grabs because, like, first of all, there are productions of Greece that do, like, there have been high school productions that give her a thyroid condition. Like, they rewrite Greece all the time for kids. <laughs> like, yeah, they, it was the weirdest. There's, like, there's, like, an article somewhere, like, a BuzzFeed-type article that's just a list of, like, weird things that they've replaced her pregnancy with in high school productions. It's great. Um, but, yeah, like, my friend, it's, like, you're thyroid's working again cool um i don't really know um but like the things that they've like replaced that with like there's plenty of roles there's plenty of women playing pregnancies that aren't pregnant mm -hmm. there are plenty of cisgender women who don't have the ability to get pregnant nobody's doing like prenatal testing on actresses before they get cast in roles you know like there's no reason that we can't just like nor should they but yeah <laughs> i'm not asking for that i'm not i'm not advocating for that by any means don't give them ideas don't give them ideas but like i've heard, had that conversation a lot where people are like well you can't do that because like that's like not how that person's body works and stuff where like no we're not going to say that rizzo is a trans woman mm -hmm. But there's no reason that Rizzo can't be played by a trans woman mm -hmm. because Rizzo's a woman mm -hmm. and so is a trans woman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, exactly. 101 with Maybe Burke. <laughs> um, so what would you say, and again, like I feel like a lot of these we've talked about a little bit already, but uh, what would you say are some common mistakes that cis folk make when writing from trans and non-binary perspectives? I think the fact that they think that they are writing from trans and non-binary perspectives is the mistake. Mm -hmm. um, like we were saying, like if you write a character and then make them trans, you have a character that's a human who's also trans. If you're like, ooh, I'm gonna write a trans narrative because I think this is so fascinating because I saw a BuzzFeed video that had a tran in it. Um, 
Don't say tran. Um, That's in community jokes. Um, But like the main mistake that I see people making is assuming that they know what it's like to be someone they're not and then writing as if they are the expert on that where like like I was saying earlier like I wrote a character I realized that that character had to be white I didn't then be like oh no I need diversity so I'm gonna make this a black girl or like I'm gonna make sure she's Latina like that would be problematic for me to do and for me to realize my bias in being a white person in the conversation about my relationship to my hair is a way of me making sure that I'm not putting a person of color in like an uncomfortable situation having to play that Mm. role not to say that there are people of color who wouldn't share my conversation of that um but like if I were then to be like oh so let me have a black girl in the show who then tells her all about her relationship to her hair and I started writing that narrative I feel like that is what a lot of cis people do with trans characters that they're just like I'm gonna have this person here to talk about what they do and who they are and educate this protagonist like that's the tropes that I see a lot is like trans people are there for educational tools Mm -hmm. um and so and usually the education being had is wrong um or just like off-putting and just like not really the way that we speak um and not using language that a lot of us use um or at least not using language that i'm comfortable with other folks hearing i.e tran um that like that is something i can joke with you but realizing that this is being broadcast to a larger audience i put the disclaimer in don't say that Um, appreciated yeah um but like that's that's an example of like i I'm not going to try to write from a black perspective because I've realized my perspective is white. Mm. I'm going to continue writing from the white perspective and hold myself accountable to what that means. Mm. Um, Where I see a lot of people making the mistake of like a lot of white cis men realizing that their voices are less valuable to people who don't look like them right now Mm. because we're tired um, and we're sick of hearing them and so they're like so I need to adopt somebody else's voice in order to be heard Mm -hmm. and they try to like push a boundary by writing somebody that's not them Mm -hmm. Um, where that's a thing that I'm like if you could just write somebody that you think is you and then also make them a trans guy you know like Mm -hmm. write somebody that you think is you and also make them a person of color like write somebody you think is you also give them a disability Mm -hmm. like there's like ways to get around that um without trying to speak for people you're not yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah uh yeah no i i because i think like for for me it is very much a um i want you to kind of do the research i want you to talk with a lot of different people before you necessarily like move forward and try and write again like you say like not necessarily from my perspective but at the same time like you can absolutely include a character who is very like don't make them the the pinnacle of virtue but also don't make them don't murder them right (laughs) 
which is like which is a little different than what we were just talking about but at the same time like i'm just so sick of like reading a piece and having this really badass trans character and then it's just like well she's dead and it's like god no like no, no. no. like no we don't need that we don't need that we don't need you talking about surgeries we don't need you talking about um sex work and that's not necessarily saying that those aren't valid uh things for people to have either done or uh in the case of like but at the same time it's it's more i will absolutely like what i like about pose a lot is it's a lot of people who are talking about their perspective and yes there's a, like there's sex work because that was absolutely a sex work is valid and b that is absolutely the perspective of how a lot of these folks were making money back then a lot more uh it was a lot more uh i'm just saying a lot of things but like my my point is mostly a lot of the writers on that staff have had that experience and that's why i'm not only okay but i'm really interested in this story because it's like great tell me this perspective because it's a perspective that i don't know anything about but it's a real perspective but it's a real perspective that gets satirized and used as the only perspective of trans people by cis writers and that's what pisses me off yeah and like art imitates life as much as life imitates art in that like yes those stories are true and those stories are valid and like those experiences do happen for a lot of trans folks Mm -hmm. but if that is the only representation we have in film and tv those are going to be the only things available to us Mm -hmm. like the the tropes of like the homeless sex worker that gets murdered Mm are just perpetuating the violence against trans women in our country, mm-hmm. specifically trans women of country, <laughs> trans women of country, <laughs> the trans women of color in our yes. country, um, that like we, mm-hmm. we see those narratives and we learn that that is fate. And that that is just because it's the, when it's the only narratives that we're seeing, we're like pose is accountable for it and actually talks about like why it happened mm-hmm. and pose is i think the f- the first time i've seen at least a trans woman spoilers pass on in a show mm-hmm. and then come back and we actually hear from her mm-hmm. like and we get to like see her perspective of her death instead of seeing other people respond to her death because mm-hmm. um, that's what happens most often in those stories about trans women dying is we see cis people respond to it mm-hmm. um, where in this we saw trans people respond to it we saw a lot of other queer folks respond to it but we also got to see her respond to it and I think that's the first time that's ever happened that's the first time I've noticed it or like mm-hmm. witnessed it um, that was like actually getting to hear from the person it affected most which is like the victim um and so like seeing that is a direct result of it being told from the perspective of people who have been in her shoes maybe not obviously dying because you can't write something after you've died um but like people who like experience the legit threat of violence every day um and people who like have lost others and have like gone through the loss of a person and have watched people leave us um that's the only time that i've really appreciated a story that had a trans woman die like that's the first time i've really been like okay that happened for a reason like Mm -hmm. that's i wasn't happy about it obviously but i was like that this actually is telling a good story around that Mm -hmm. um because 
of who was telling the story. And that's most of the wonderful things happening on Pose are happening because of who is telling the story. Mm. That's just how that works. I mean, most stories are happening because of who's telling them, you know, like that's what that means. Um, But the fact that Pose is pushing all these boundaries, like, yeah, they're using outdated language because it's a period piece. They're using tropes of trans women because it's a period piece, you know, like they're like hitting a lot of like tropes and things that in any other context I would roll my eyes at. Mm -hmm. But they're using them and having legitimate discussions and like having beautiful community around it and doing it in a true way Mm -hmm. that is it feels like women I know like it feels like our history because it is Mm -hmm. and it's like actually realized human beings and not just tropes not just like storylines around sex work it's storylines around family and community Mm -hmm. and friendship and love through the lens of folks who are also engaging in sex work and folks who are also homeless or like near the poverty line. Yeah. All that to say, (laughs) yes, Well, I want to do an episode on pose. I just want to get the right group of people and kind of take a back seat so that it's like, okay, nope, you, you talk, I'll do the tech. Um, but yeah, so all that to kind of like come around and say like the it's very much like we were talking about that idea of know what stories you can and can't tell and part of that is doing the research and part of the research is knowing that a lot of these are things that yes we as the people that are experiencing this can tell these stories and subvert them because we know how because we know what we're sick of seeing versus what you're able to you you the listener is able to do and yeah, you know mm-hmm. what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, like I don't know what it feels like to walk down the street as a trans woman of color. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I uh, acknowledge that my whiteness is a protective shield, and that I like have a very different experience of the world than women of color do. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a thing that like I know. Even if I tried to write a similar story to Pose, mm-hmm. it would be problematic because of who I am. Yep. Like that happens where. I was saying, like, the people largely, I mean, Janet Mock in the room shaping that story and the people working with her understand what it's like to be those people Mm. in a way that cis white men who write those stories are actually the people killing us, like, are actually the people who are the reason that violence happens. Mm. Um, And so instinctively or just, like, from own personal bias those stories are going to focus on and or get lend sympathy sympathy to the people who are committing the violence instead of the people suffering from it um which comes from i think writer's guilt often of like i know this is happening so i have to shed a light on it but like do you have to shed a light on it Mm -hmm. um i like that's a thing that like if you are part of the problem shedding light on the problem is not always the solution Mm -hmm. um sitting down and having other people shed light on the problem is a great way to have that conversation (laughs) you know like that's (laughs) like like i was saying earlier like if there's a story you're itching to tell why don't you offer the idea to somebody else Mm -hmm. because nine times out of ten that person is probably gonna be like that's not a great story um (laughs) 
No, it's true. Because it's like revolu- what's revolutionary to you is Tuesday to somebody else. You know, like what's never been done before, never been seen by you before. Right. You know, like I'm that sure conversation. You just movies that have already done this, but okay. Exactly. Yeah. Like. So what are some questions that you might ask a writer? Like, do you ask them ahead of time? I know you've mentioned, and this is a question that I ask too, that idea of like, why does this character have to be trans? Um, Are there any other questions that you get either to get an idea of like who they are as a writer or just sort of like, what, what am I walking into? Yeah. I mean, largely my conversation is just like, what do you want from me? Like, are are you expecting me to come to you with solutions? Are you expecting me to just highlight problems? Mm -hmm. Um, Are you expecting me to restructure your script? Mm -hmm. Um, Because that happens too. Um, Where I'm like, that's another job itself. Um, You're looking for a dramaturg. Um, But like conversations around like what is actually expected of me in this position, because it's a thing that like not a lot of people do. And like, there's not really a lot of like precedent for this kind of work it tends to go into like a catch-all category that can be taken advantage of um but also like setting expectations for like are you going to listen to me if i also speak up about identities i don't hold like are you actually going to listen to me and if i'm like hey this isn't a gender thing, but like you might want to look at this on terms of like ableism um, and like have those conversations because if you are only going to listen to me about gender things, you're probably not really going to listen to me about gender things. You know, if you're like, I'm hiring you because you're trans so that you can talk about trans, the trans things, trans, that's you checking a checklist. Yeah. That's, that's you using my name to tell people I've signed off on something instead of actually trying to let your story benefit from it. Um, so understanding where people's intentions are and where what people's expectations are mm. usually set me up for, I wouldn't say success, but like the ability to do my job. Yeah. <laughs> well, out of curiosity, do you let them either like thank you in the manuscript? Do they, do they offer to do that? Is that a thing that you're interested in? Or would you just across the board rather just, nope, all right, you're hiring me for this, but don't mention me in things? I prefer not to be mentioned. Um, just because I do now put up like hard boundaries of like, I'm not writing this script with or for you. I'm like offering an ear and feedback um, as most audience members should. Um, like that's like how at least theater works of like audience is part of shaping a script. Um, But like I have had people like come back and ask me for like recommendation letters and things or like ask me to like nominate them for awards um, that I've been like, cool, cool, cool. Um, You wrote a script that wasn't problematic. I'm not going to suggest people award you for writing about a trans girl um, like that's that I, that I'm not interested in um, but like I'm I'm not like ashamed that I've worked on these works um, there are projects that have gone on after I've told them to stop that I'm like my name's not on that um, and like because the thing is if and I've talked to a couple of folks who know my name and like know my reputation and like if I am 
specifically like, as an actor i've i know i had a conversation recently with somebody that i was doing a project and they hadn't read the script but they felt comfortable signing on knowing i was in the cast oh. um <laughs> because they were like oh if maybe he's doing it it's good yeah and i was like oh fuck that's a lot of pressure for me yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like okay um where like i am very intentional of like where i put my name now because of that um and that like my name is seen as like a stamp of approval mm. but also like just a note to like folks who are thinking that about like anybody i also need to work sometimes yeah. and like there are times that like i will do a project that isn't my favorite thing because i need a paycheck or like i wanted to work with this director or like you know like there's different reasons that that happens yeah. um where like i i'm not i'm not unfortunately as an actor at this point i'm not always just working on projects i'm passionate about um so i do like to put that disclaimer out after i realized <laughs> that that was a thing that was happening um, but really just like making sure that folks know that if if I am being associated with a project, and if you are gonna like say that I was a part of it, mm. I'm going to be honest if people ask me about it. Yeah. Like I'm gonna be honest about my involvement with it, whether or not I stand by the final product, and like critiquing the thing after it's been made mm. is not out of the realm of my discussion. Like I'm able to have worked on something and still find it problematic. Mm-hmm. I'm able to find my own work still problematic. Like that's how work works. That's how like social justice works is like constantly learning and doing better. Um, So like, if you don't want people to talk to me about it, don't put my name in your program. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's how that works. Um, But yeah, like I, I don't necessarily, I don't, and I don't know how this works for you or for like other folks, but like I don't necessarily want recognition for having done a sensitivity read. Yeah. Um, but that's largely just like my personal opinion on it. Do you get recognition? Yeah, I, I basically I brought it up just because that is a big thing in the sensitivity read community is that it's better to not. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there are some projects that I'm really like, I really enjoyed. Like, um, there's a book called Snow Sisters that I did a sensitivity read on. And it's a really good book. It's just like really like, I don't want to say it's cute because that makes it sound like diminutive. But like, it's a really like cute story about these like high school, like middle school into high school girls going to this like winter retreat for writing. And it's just like really like sweet, but it gets intense. But it's like, ah, yeah. Anyway, uh, like that. And like there are a couple of other like projects that I really enjoyed working on that I'm like, yeah, like, can I thank you? It's just like, for me, if I say yes, great. But I'm not going to say yes to everything. And my involvement as a sensitivity reader doesn't mean an immediate yes. Um, And also, I'm more happy, even if it is a project that I'm very, like, happy about because of the sensitivity read that I did, um, I still would rather just to be thanked, Mm -hmm. not for any context. Mm -hmm. So, because it is one of those things where it's like, I don't want people... The big thing is, A... If you just say like, yeah, put me in as a sensitivity read, exactly like you're, you were implying, the idea that people are looking at this and saying like, oh, well, if Ashley says it's good, it's like, look, I don't know what they did from when they got the manuscript from me to, they, they might have changed nothing. Yeah. Um, and that is, that is a fear. That is a thing. Uh, but at the same time, 
they may have taken that and done really good things but that also that was because of work that i did with them but at the same time it's their work so yeah like i'll happily take a thank you if you ask me and i'll take it (laughs) but there are some projects and it's not just because it's a bad project or a project that i'm not in favor of there can be a number of reasons but it's just like yeah generally speaking i yeah like ask me first but uh, if i if i if we're gelling if it seems like you're making the changes if you're like hitting me up with immediately like oh yeah this is the thing i can do and i think i'm gonna do this oh and this like all right, yeah, I'm, I'm probably a lot more like open to the idea of like, all right, yeah, you want to make these changes, yeah, let's 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 go with that. So, but generally speaking, rule of thumb, uh, don't don't thank and don't like, especially the other big thing is, if someone is complaining about your book, even though you went through a sensitivity reader, even though et cetera et cetera, do not bring up your sensitivity reader, do not tag them in Twitter posts. Um, it's a thing. It's no matter what we are just one we are just one people we are just we ourselves are just one person uh and our perspective is basically going to be at least the way i do things is these are the problems people are going to have i don't necessarily believe that but this is a problem people are going to have so you should have an answer for this and it's like oh okay should i remove it it's like i'm not saying you remove it but i am saying people are going to have an issue with that be ready ready. yeah that's that's a conversation you're going to have to have Or you can remove it. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think the other misconception that people have about what we do is that we're being brought in to tell people, remove this, get rid of that, this is bad, boo, eh, eh, eh. And really it's more a matter of like, let me prepare you for why you should probably change this or not. And the thing is like, I'm not saying that there can't be problematic things in your story. Mm -hmm. Like, Especially if there are problematic people in your story, because, like, people are problematic. And, like, there are trans folks who use outdated language for themselves still today. Like, there's a multitude of ways that problematic language can appear or problematic scenarios can appear in your story. What I'm saying is that, like, stories need to set good examples. And if you don't set a good example, if you do use something problematic, you need to have time to unpack it. And if you don't have time to unpack it, you need to set a good example. So, like, if you have something problematic, make up for it somewhere or don't do it. You know, like, make up for it either in conversations around the piece or in the piece itself. Like, write into an arc that a person, like, learns or, like, there's, like, something that at least says that that person was wrong to do that or say that or whatever. Um, But, like... You don't necessarily, like, need to be word-perfect on, like, everything. Like, you can't, like, not have any transphobia in a book in order for the book to be, like, good. You know, like, there's, like, ways to get around problematic storylines if they're for the right purpose Mm -hmm. and not just your own beliefs. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. So we're very close to the end of the questions that I had. Um... What so what are some red flags? This is my last question and then we can kind of figure out if there's anything else that we really are burning to talk about. But like what are some red flags when you're working with someone? And I'm not saying to talk about anything specific. Obviously, like I said, we're we're not really supposed to talk about specifics. Um, but are there things that you notice either when you're in the like talking session when you're just saying like hey okay like here's an inquiry uh whether it's in the script or whether it's from the way that a potential client is talking what are red flags for you um 
like I was saying earlier, like the um, problematic language can exist in a script, but if like the description of something or like if a person reaches out with an inquiry and they're using outdated language in their conversation to me or if they're using problematic language, I'm like, oh, you don't actually know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be like as simple as like just I roll my eyes when folks will like be like a male to female transgender and I'm like cool so you didn't learn anything after 1986 um like you know um I don't even know if that year is accurate for that terminology but (laughs) that's the exact era right yes 87 we were like trans women um but like the the ways that you talk about your characters like because i've had people be like i'm writing the script about a trans woman in the script she's referred to as a crossdresser because like that's the, t- the language that was used at the time but like in today's language we would call her a trans woman um so we're looking to make sure that we're being sensitive to that like that conversation i'm like okay you know what you're talking about the script is going to use outdated language because it's a period it's an outdated right. script like that's how that works um but that's like if th- that language isn't being used if you're just going to be like i wrote this story about this crossdresser and it's actually a story about a trans woman because there are crossdressers like that is a valid identity um but like if you're if you're not upfront about your own gap in language and your own gap in this education that's a red flag for me um if you don't know what you're talking about um and again i was saying earlier the like only relying on me for information specifically about me being trans where i'm like okay but you asked for a sensitivity read yes i'm the trans person you asked for a sensitivity read but you should probably listen to me about other things um because like also like people are going to respond to different things and like there are cis people who will also tell you stuff is transphobic you know like because they will clock it and recognize it from other conversations like that's a thing um and so like anybody who like has parameters on like what they're willing to listen to as feedback because there's also you were saying earlier of like sometimes they don't change anything after we talk to them so like you can just take feedback, smile and nod, and then not listen to me. If you're going to push back and, like, give me excuses and, like, explanations and, like, well, that has to be in there because blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, you could just, like, take my feedback and then ignore it, but you have to push back and, like, prove to me that you're not problematic, which means you're problematic. (laughs) See, that's the the biggest red flag for me is, like, I'll I'll usually ask a couple of questions when we're talking, whether it's through email or in person, Mm -hmm. um for the process just so that i can kind of see how you take feedback and it is a very like yeah if you're giving me a lot of like issue i'm like all right i don't know if i've got the hey you know now's not a really good time but um yep yeah i will usually ask something like hey so the obviously like oh why why does this person have to be trans but also like why do you want to write about trans folk because I think that's also like, it it sounds like it's a very similar question, but at the same time, it's because it's like, okay, if the answer is money, I mean, that's not a great answer, but you're being honest with me. But at the same time, like, you know, you're going to have a a much like steeper incline to deal with. Right. And yeah, like kind of see how they react to like, okay. And then also 
I may have to tell you that this piece is going to be scrapped. Are you okay with hearing that? And they might think they are, but depending, but they'll give you little hints that they're not. Yeah. And it's like, uh huh. Okay. Nope. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So is there anything else that we haven't talked about, about the process that you want to uh, make sure people know, or that is just like interesting? Not necessarily. Yeah. We covered a lot of ground here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we talk a lot. We, we talked for a good, uh, good hour, hour and uh, 20 minutes. Um, so normally on the podcast, and you know the podcast, we would talk a little bit about uh, whether things are, whether what we talked about was transphobic and whether it was enjoyable. <laughs> but this doesn't really apply. I think this was very enjoyable. <laughs> Our listeners can tell us whether or not we were transphobic. <laughs> Which I was, I said trans instead of trans. Yeah. But you were, you were coming from the place of a different person who was, yeah, no, anyway. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, tell me a little bit about your podcast as well, because, yeah. Topics include, um, oh God, I'm going to try to say our mission statement and not really have it down. Um, topics include, it's a podcast, it's um, me, Sammy Noryunez, Ian Field-Stewart, and L. Morgan Lee. Um, we're an unapologetically trans podcast that seeks to provide a space for trans folks to gather through conversations that are uh, pro-black, sex-positive, healing-informed conversations that are educational by accident and liberational by choice. That wasn't a full sentence, and I like messed up grammar there, but that's most of our mission statement. Um, we got there, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we um, started it about a year ago? No, like, we're under a year. Um, we started on Trans Day of Visibility, which was March... I forgot. Know this? Yeah, we we're we're bad we're bad trans, as this person that you were acting as would say. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like yeah. I should know this. Yeah. Um, it's also the day our podcast launched, um, so I really should know this. Sorry, and Sammy and Al Morgan. Um, but we uh, talk about basically anything. Um, but we were very interested in specifically the end of our mission statement that is like educational by accident, liberational by choice, mm-hmm. um, where we just want to have conversations. We're not necessarily like doing the one on one. We're not necessarily like explaining things for cis folks. Um, there are cis people who listen to us and are getting education, but it's mm-hmm. just either osmosis or like yeah. um, through like looking up the words that we used and like doing their own labor or just learning by being a guest at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, we really just want to be able to like have conversations and have chats and make listeners who don't have community around them if they're in other parts of the country or other countries um, just feel like they have community and like they're at our table. Um, so we just have fun conversations and different little segments and things. Um, yeah, that's that's us. Very awesome. I get like very bashful when I talk about it because I'm just like it's a fun little group and I just like love them so much and I'm very grateful to be a part of it. Yeah, no, and it's a really good podcast. I've listened to it a couple of times. Uh, I should be more caught up with it than I am, but yeah, no, it's really it is a really good podcast and it's varied uh, because everyone has a lot of different uh, interests and a lot of different like it's just yeah no it's a great podcast and yeah yeah it's a wonderful thing because. It's very rare, I've noticed at least, it's very rare that you get that many perspectives on one topic and, like, disagreements on things and just, like, that many different perspectives going... Because, like, a lot of things will, like, bring different perspectives into a room all to talk about one topic and all to talk about the same perspective on that one topic. Like, like, we'll, like, get different people of different identities, gender or race or what have it, 
um, but everybody will be a tr- approaching like the same side of one argument where like there are times that we do just disagree or we see things differently because of our identities and like that conversation like those kind of conversations aren't really being had that we're still a united front we're all trans folks and we're all understanding each other but we do disagree because we are different people um, and that's really fun to experience like firsthand um, and to be part of because like I often feel like I have to agree with everything a trans person says and like we have to be this united front in order to survive um but it's really nice to be able to like be like oh that's not true for me and that's okay <laughs> like that's a beautiful thing for me to be a part of yeah. very awesome yay so how can people find you on the internet if you want them to i don't know ask sammy um, there we go ask sammy <laughs> <laughs> i just edit them and i send them to sammy i don't know what he does with them um we're available anywhere you can find podcasts um i think um that's what i've been told the le- i know i know you're on spotify yes Spotify <laughs> and apple um and soundcloud whatever else um and then i think our instagram handle is topics include pod I should know all of this information. I know we have a website that also might be topicsincludepodcast.com. Um, who knows? Up for grabs. Um, but you can find us on Instagram at topicsincludepod. Um, or you can just like find my social media and then go from there. <laughs> Do you want to give out your social media? <laughs> I'm at Believe in Maybe. <laughs> you can also just like look up Maybe, and usually all that comes up is me and Maybelline. So that's. Fantastic. Uh, and obviously, uh, Is It Transphobic, you can find on Twitter at Is It Transphobic. You can also go to tinyurl.isitransphobic, I think it is. Uh, <laughs> I think the website is. Uh, but yeah, basically, if you go to my website, ashleylaurenrogers.com, you can find it through the, the podcast button, um, as well as you can find me online pretty much throughout all my names, ashleyrogers83 on Instagram, uh, and Lucretia Deer for L-U-C-R-E-T-I-A-D-E-A-R and then the number four on Twitter. And yeah. Topics include pod.com. There we go. Topics include pod.com. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for joining me, maybe. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yeah, this is awesome. Is it transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com. You will be found if you're white. You will be found if you're cis. You will be found if you're able-bodied. You will be found if you can conform. You will be found. <laughs> is that from something, or are you making? Fun? Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> the song is from Dear Evan Hansen, but he just sings "You will be found" over and over again. I added all of the ifs in. <laughs> <laughs>